asked yeah, it. I do. I do want to hear. I this. asked it. Jahow. Jet GPT. Chat GPT. You fucking have a meatball. <laughs> Yo. Hey. What's up, man? Check out the new Confidently Unqualified podcast. What's up? Welcome back. Episode 10 of Confidently Unqualified, baby. The big one oh. We've hit double digits. We hit double digits. Uh, we're officially um, one and a half months in since we do two episodes every week um how how have you liked the podcast so far how do you like feel it's going i feel like it's been a uh an adventure to say the least but trying to think of a better word uh a a wide variety we started out just kind of you know first couple episodes what are we doing got into our groove did our trip to laughlin had our first guest harper then kind of found our rhythm and then had Kayla on and absolutely crushed it with that. And now I feel like we're, we're in a uh, cruise control. Yeah. I, I was describing it as a uh, consistently progressing. We're consistently progressing in a direction. It's kind of right. how I was putting it together. Yeah. No, it's exciting. It's cool. I feel yeah, like, no. I feel like we keep talking like this on the pod, but who cares? We're just guys being yeah, dudes cares? shooting the shit talking. We yeah. appreciate everyone who listens. So, uh, speaking of uh, consti- consistently progressing, you know, we are looking to build a legacy, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the best legacy of them all, the Warriors. The Warriors in the past, what, seven seasons have been just in the top Dynasty. ten of the league. They had one or two bad years, or not bad years, but lower years, and I mean... Once they got Clay Thompson back, they got all their pieces back and going. Dude, they have really picked picked up where they left off. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see their game? I think it was Monday night. Uh, I did um, not. I heard about it. Yeah, so the Warriors, they set a new NBA record for most points in the first quarter. Um, the previous record was 51, and they scored 55 points in the first quarter. No way. Dude, it, 55 in the first quarter, and not only that, Clay Thompson hit, um, is the third player in history to hit 300 threes in a season entering their game, um, or before entering their game, he needed five threes, and he hit all five of them in the first quarter. That's incredible. Yeah, so I'm looking, sorry, I was looking up the stats right now, 157 is what they scored on the whole game. That's bonkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they were playing the Trailblazers. Yeah, one by fifty six. Yeah. This is outrageous. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just crazy to watch. But I was watching the highlights of it, and I was like, for a team that scores that much, they pass a shit ton. Yeah, they pass so much for a team that scores that much. Well, they got a lot of depth, and uh, you know, Jordan Poole is uh, you know having a good year, and Clay Thompson as well, and obviously Steph is Steph. They're gonna be dangerous in the playoffs. Um, I don't know if you had anything else to add to it. I was just going to say that I think they're going to dominate the Kings. The Kings have been the new hot story this year, but I think it's a 4-1, maybe a 4-2 series. Yeah, like I was saying, I mean, the Warriors have kind of built a legacy, so I think this year is 
going to be another championship run for the Warriors, if I'm being honest. Hmm. Well, they got to go through Phoenix. They do have to go through Phoenix, um, but Phoenix has a history of choking if they get that one ref that hates Chris Paul. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, why am I drawing a blank on the name? Hey, I got a, I got a, um, a little beef with you. Who's your favorite NBA team? Is it not the Suns? Is it still the Celtics? Hell yeah, it's still the Celtics. Name three players. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. All right, name four because everyone knows those three. Uh, is Al Horford still with him? I think so. <laughs> Confident qualifying. Um, if not, Taco Fall. Hell yeah. All right, good for you. Your favorite team. You know, four <laughs> players. Three and a half players. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, no, I don't follow the NBA very much, but um, most of the time when I do, it's normally the Warriors or the Celtics. Those are yeah. the two teams that I Let's... follow the most. Let's make it our mission as a, as a podcast to uh, watch more NBA now that the playoffs have started. Yeah, we should definitely. Um, I'm probably going to add least five points of interest on social media. There we go. I love it. There we go. <laughs> Scott Foster. Okay, I had to get uh, dude. As a podcaster, yeah, yeah. let me just let me just say that when you're podcasting, sometimes you're thinking about the right thing to say or what's next on your notes or what your partner's saying, and it, it's hard for your brain to actually think outside the box and i'm like dude i know this freaking ref's name that chris paul hates and hates chris paul and i couldn't think of it i was having a brain fart so very proud of myself for uh for going through that and, and coming out on top out. yep um so that kind of leads us into our next segment let's move on to a topic that we know more about um <laughs> the, let me give a quick hang on before you do that not to cut uh, you off just a no, quick, th- this might be a decent little uh, transition topic. So quick little shout out to dad. Him and I were talking about um, what you and I talked about with the stadium capacity. And mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what we were talking about, but I know it was with the Bills stadium capacity. Dad said to add that um, the stadiums that are being built, the NFL is saying if you don't make it at least 70,000 capacity, we're not hosting a Super Bowl there. Because I remember you and I were talking about would the Bills ever host a Super Bowl? First of all, Buffalo, hell no, in February. But they wouldn't even be able yeah. to under that guideline. Which, that's awesome that the NFL is doing that. Because, um, I mean, the Super Bowl is one of the most watched events. And one of the biggest things is the ticket prices are always insane. So I feel like they need to tr- go to higher capacity stadiums. Just so the I know they won't do it, but just to maybe lower the ticket price. I know they probably won't do it, but no. And if anything, they would raise it. But it makes sense for the Super Bowl that you know it's always going to be sold out. Why would you want to only be able to sell sixty thousand tickets? That just yeah, you know, seventy seems like a good minimum because when we went over that segment last time, I think I remember looking at the list. I think there's only like maybe seventeen stadiums that are over seventy, and SoFi was yeah. seventy two, I believe. Which and there's under sixty five thousand. There was only like four stadiums, and three of them are in the works of rebuilding their stadium to a higher mm. capacity. Yeah. Um, also, in the news today, um, the MLB commissioner. Uh, I don't. I think that's what the MLB commissioner is called. Um, yeah. Announced that they want to uh, add two expansion teams. That's cool. Um, so they're relocating two teams first, the athletics and the Rays, 
Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland Athletics. Um, the A's Poor are probably Oakland. going to be moving to Vegas. That makes sense. Um, and Tampa Bay is probably going to stay in Tampa. They just have to find more uh, real estate because the stadium they're currently in, the lease is up and the city won't renew it. Mm. So they'll either find something in Tampa Bay or probably somewhere else in Florida. Um, yeah, Jacksonville or Orlando or something. Yeah, I bet Orlando. Orlando's not too far of a drive from Tampa Bay, so I bet it would be Orlando. Mm. Um, the two expansion teams, they said one of them, they're looking at three potential cities, and the biggest targets are Portland and Salt Lake. Hmm. Salt Lake's interesting. Ah, Portland's pretty interesting, too. I don't know. Well, I mean, if you think about it, Salt Lake is, I mean, Portland has an NBA team, Salt Lake has an NBA team, but they're like, those two in Omaha are like the most neglected big cities when it comes to sports teams, and San Antonio. San Antonio's like that, too. Yeah. I think, uh, selfishly, I want them to bring back the Montreal Expos. Or was it Montreal? <laughs> I want the Seattle Supersonics. Was it the Washington? Washington Expos. I don't yeah. know, man, but uh, I just want their uh, apparel back. Dude, the Seattle Supersonics, I would love to have their jerseys back. Get like a old-fashioned Ray Allen or Kevin Durant Supersonics jersey. It was Montreal Expos. Okay, I had to double-check my mouth. I just need to be confidently qualified, <laughs> not even unqualified. I knew that. Yeah, you knew that. You had it. I had that shit. All right, <laughs> we got a uh, very um, near and dear topic to get to, near and dear to me at least. Yep. I'll let you ask it, though, so I can act like I, I don't know what the next segment is. Rebuild or reload, where we talk about if what team? a certain team needs to rebuild or reload. Okay. Um, I asked the question. DJ is going to come with his response. I already uh-huh. have notes. This could be any this team. team. This could, it's just a random team, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, rebuild or reload Atlanta Falcons. Oh, the Falcons. Yeah. Oh, my God. My favorite um, team? The biggest thing that sparked this for me was the Jeff Okuda trade. Okay. Um, so I went through the whole Falcons roster, and I kind of graded I'm sorry. each position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to know your thoughts on the Falcons' defense, offense. What do oh, you think buddy, I got biggest, a lot of them. Are they rebuilding this year, or are they reloading, priming for a playoff contention? Okay, if I may have the microphone, I am going to enter delusional fan mode here. So just to, you know, just to set the the bar for the listener here, this is delusional fan DJ speaking on the Falcons. We are already 2023 Super Bowl champions. No, okay. So, here are my <laughs> here are my couple things. Let's start with the Okuda thing because that was the most recent thing to happen. Jeff Okuda was a cornerback out of Ohio State who was the third overall pick just three years ago. And might I add, before you continue, he had the worst rookie year of a top-five prospect, but one of the biggest improvements into their sophomore year. He had such a good year last year. I think that's high hopes for the Falcons. Okay, so none of that matters to me. (laughs) No. So look at – no, I'm giving you a hard time. So look at Detroit – they are known to, you know, lack uh, in the development um, department. Yeah. Not to say anything about Okuda 
he battled injuries. He had a very, you know, good beginning to his year last year. Anyway, I think change of scenery is a big thing for anyone. And this guy was a number three overall pick for a reason. Whether he's going to be good or not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that is such a low risk, high reward situation. We gave up a fifth round pick for him. We ain't finding anyone with that much upside and ceiling in the fifth round. So I'll give that away. And that fifth round pick was from the dra- or the trade we did with the Jags uh, for Calvin Ridley. So it's kind of like yep. giving it away for free. We still have our fifth and round pick. So with that, <clears throat> you're adding Jeff Okuda to AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward. That improves your corner. Your corners were already decent last year. Uh, in my opinion, they were uh, average at the corner position. I think adding Jeff Okuda moves them up into like a good rating for corners. Um, what do you hope they do with the rest of their defense this year? So the thing with um, the secondary, ever since we got AJ Terrell and he's came on to be a superstar, we've been needing that cornerback too. Now we thought we got that with Casey Hayward last year, but he got injured in the very beginning of the season. Then we had to do a bunch of rotating and obviously are not going to find a solid, reliable cornerback too. You're just going to find a plug and play kind of guy. Um, but to answer the question, I think the defense has been the main priority in the offseason. We signed on Yamada. We signed Jesse Bates. We got a couple other small pieces in Caden Ellis. Um, we got Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell, who was a huge addition. Calais Campbell had offers from other teams, and he chose Atlanta for a reason yep. um, with that front office and what he saw with the you know the big picture. I think there's something to be said about that, whether – you know, you want to admit it or not. Um, so I kind of, when I went, when I was going through the roster, um, my biggest needs of improvements for the Falcons on defense, the biggest one was inside linebacker, especially losing um, some key pieces because Dion Jones is last, there last year, right? Or is it the year before? No, year before. Year before. Yeah. Um, so inside linebacker kind non-factor. of, what? And he was a non-factor. Yeah, I, inside linebacker is kind of uh, where I saw you guys could use improvement. I mean, you guys, is it Ebby, how do you spell the guy you drafted last year? Or how do you say it? Ebiketti? Arnold Ebiketti, but he's a edge rusher. Yeah, he's an edge rusher. Um, I'm working into, you guys got some edge rushers last year. You built your defensive line. You signed Clayus Campbell. You have Onyemata. You have Grady Jarrett. So really, out of your whole defense, I think inside linebacker, if anything needs improvement, it's probably going to be inside linebacker. Yeah, and even then, I know I'm a fan, so I follow the team a lot closer than you, or just really anyone, because it's the fucking Atlanta Falcons. Um, Rashawn Evans is a pretty notable guy who we picked Mm -hmm. up from the Titans, who played pretty good last year. Um, The other big name to watch out for this year is Troy Anderson. Um, out of Montana State we drafted him last year dude's a freak he played quarterback he played like running back he played receiver and now he's our middle linebacker ran like a 4-4 just a a, an absolute freak instinctive athlete um, who had a really really good rookie year last year I think he makes a big jump this year and he's going to be our middle linebacker so um, I don't think that the Falcons view that they need to upgrade the position but I obviously understand that they don't have a notable name, but defense as a whole, bolstering up the interior D line and um, getting a good 
upside cornerback too, a, a top five free safety, a really good third year from Richie Grant, I think, coming for strong safety. I think this defense with the new um defensive coordinator, I think they could I think they're gonna make a big, you know, big name for themselves this year. I hope. Yeah. So in my notes I said um to improve the Falcons this offseason, um add one piece on the defense, which they did, Jesse Bates. I think he was a huge piece. So adding Jeff Okuda was that second big piece. So with that, I was saying transition into building your offense in the draft and the rest of free agency. I agree um, with you. I, I think this Okuda thing makes the uh, number eight pick that much more interesting. I thought yep. maybe we'd be looking corner there. Um, now it looks more like edge rusher or um, who knows? I don't know if it's the smart decision, but it would be really exciting to see them take, you know, even if they reach for Bajan Robinson mm-hmm. or they go Najigba at eight. Yep. Um, I know or that maybe, that's not the smartest play, but maybe just given Desmond Ritter, you know, another weapon yeah. at, you know, at that value, who knows? Maybe that's the maybe play. They, if they've been bolstering the defense and free agency. Number eight. Maybe they trade out of number eight, get another draft pick, and then still be able to take Bijan or Najigba just four or five picks later. True. Yeah. Because, I mean, their biggest, I mean, some of their bigger pieces, they were, I, in my eyes, I think they were looking to get that corner at eight, but getting Jeff Okuda, like you said, that kind of changes their whole perspective of it. So I feel like that opens more opportunities and, you know, um, push for them to trade out of the top 10, give that to someone else, maybe get a third round pick or a second round pick out of it. Yeah. I could see them trading out of the out of the eight, but if they do stay, I think that our biggest bet is either an edge rusher if one, you know, if one of the better ones available, or we're looking maybe to add on the O line, um, mm-hmm. or one of those two players that I had just mentioned that could be what I would consider a reach at number eight. But also, how fun to have Kyle Pitts, uh, Drake London, and potentially Nick Jigba or Bajan. I mean, that's just exciting. And it gives Desmond Ritter, who I want to get to next real quick, it gives him all the pieces and, and none of the excuses. If we're rolling with him, if we're riding with him this year, if we expect big things from him this year, let's do it. Let's load up. Yeah. So um, on the topic, before we get to Desmond Ritter, um, I, when I was looking at your offense, the offensive line was the biggest thing that stood out. Um, your offensive guards and your center top 10 in the NFL your tackles eesh. um I mean you got Chris Lindstrom you have is Matt Hennessy still with you guys yeah he's our yeah. he's fighting for <clears throat> the center position with Drew Dahlman yep. but Drew let Dahlman. me hang on let me let me uh walk you back there our tackles are eesh. Caleb McGarry was in the top I think 12 this year in terms of tackles, uh, pro football focus grades. Jake Matthews is a lockdown, you know, top five, top mm-hmm. 10 tackle in the NFL. Um, our biggest issue is our interior, um, minus Chris Lindstrom, our center and our left guard is what needs to be addressed. Um, okay, our tackles so are pretty it's... solid. We just loaded up. We, we signed Jake Matthews last year and McGarry this year. See, I thought Jake Matthews was a guard. I didn't, I, didn't know he was a tackle. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm, I'm here to I'm here to learn you some knowledge. Learn you. Let some me knowledge. just get to yeah. 
I don't want to spend this much time on the Falcons. I just wanted to get to Desmond Ritter real quick. He's a big question mark. He's the biggest question mark for our success this year. Um, but let's look at the Super Bowl quarterback last year for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts. Coming out of college, he was very talented. He had a lot of upside, but he was not this sought after, you know, first round draft pick that everyone knew was going to be success. And he turned out to be pretty damn good. And what happened when the Eagles loaded up a roster around him? They got to a Super Bowl. I'm I am not saying Desmond Ritter is going to be Jalen Hurts, but the Falcons might see that potential, and I'm going to be optimistic that that is the upside. Who knows, man? If they make a a, a ten win season, I would say I think you're looking at 2024 as a very exciting roster. In my opinion, yeah, and I, I think uh, how do you feel about the Heineke? signing great backup yes hell if, so, if he if if ritter struggles plug in heineke you know that guy's I gonna fucking heineke. game and he's gonna he'll win you some games that you wouldn't win with marcus fucking Mariota. Uh, in the words of dad heineke's a scrappy player um it's <laughs> gonna stick he, his nose in there pin his ears back i i just love him i loved watching him on the commanders i thought he got a bad rap you know they were as soon as he was doing good. They wanted him to take, they wanted to take him out instantly, even though he was winning in games. I think he got a yeah. bad rap. Yeah. So to end the segment, I will answer the question. Is this a rebuild or a reload? I think it's neither. I think it's a load. I think we're loading up baby. Cause I don't think we're reloading. Cause we never freaking had anything for the last seven <laughs> years. And I think last year was the rebuild. I think this year we're loading. Yeah. You're loading this year. Book it. Book it. Ten wins. NFC South champs. Yeah, yeah, you got the on record. All right. Uh, (laughs) One last thing. Did you see Jake Paul and Nate Diaz is set for August 5th? No way, really. When did that happen? Yep. Today. Dude, let's fucking go. You're on. I think this is a... Highlighting that. This is is a big (laughs) rebound for Jake Paul. Um, I think after Tommy Fury, for me, he lost a lot of my respect and probably a lot of, you know, everyone else. If he can take out Nate Diaz, I think he's, you know, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know how to feel about it. I think he, he brings himself back. If he loses to Nate Diaz, I don't know why anyone would want to watch another fight of his. Yeah. When, uh, is it Joe Fournier? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Um, they're fighting on, <laughs> they're fighting on May 13th. Um, Hell yeah. It, I, it's kind of weird the, how YouTube boxing <clears throat> has kind of turned into fighting pro boxers that are retired and then eventually into pro boxers that are fighting. <laughs> um, mm. cause that's kind of how it all started is, you know, they were fighting to squash beef YouTubers fighting to squash beef. And then Jake Paul and Logan Paul and case I have kind of like took it into, all right, how can we prove ourselves in the boxing world? All right, let's fight these boxers that haven't fought in a few years, prove that we can fight them, and then let's go fight a boxer that is currently um, fighting, and let's see if we can beat them. The first one to mm-hmm. do a like actual boxer <clears throat> now, um, who's competing in the boxing world now, is Jake Paul, and losing um, 
kind of set it back a little bit, but I feel like it kind of proved something that we, that YouTubers can um, compete at that level. They just, you know, have to work for it. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think uh, my big thing is um, I feel like Tom Fury, Tommy Fury, yeah, Tommy Fury, excuse me, is not like a notable legendary boxer. No, yeah. And I feel like you could see the difference in skill and experience in the Jake Paul Tommy Fury fight. You could and absolutely so, see the difference. Yeah. So if, you know, Jake Paul still got it figured out, he can fight retired out of shape out of their prime ben ufc Askers. fighters and he and he's gonna sell some fucking tickets yeah but the second he stepped into the boxing world even if it was a you know quote unquote you know bum of a boxer he still got out outboxed you know yeah when so it'll be he, interesting yeah it was a great fight i i think it's fun seeing all the youtubers uh all the youtuber fights now i think it's a great yeah great piece they definitely figured out how to draw a crowd yeah Mm -hmm. so do you want to lead into uh fill my cup or fill my cup segments it is thursday my dudes and you know what that means that means it's fill my cup time yeah uh let's have you go first this time okay i love it so my fill my cup is did you see that uh, Juul, the uh, vape brand, is ordered to pay $452 million for misleading about their uh, products, um, health risks, and um, marketing to teenagers? Dude, really? Mm-hmm. It's a lot so, of money. Yeah. So I'm surprised that Juul agreed to pay to this because I, I had a hard time, you know, when you just read the headline and it says Juul ordered to pay $452 million for uh, – um, you know, for what they did, I'm like, okay, it was the kid's choice and the adult's choice to provide it. Everyone knew it was an addictive chemical. Everyone's known about nicotine for years. What's this all about? Well, I guess Jewel had been like accused of marketing to teenagers. And I don't really know where that marketing comes from exactly, but, uh, it kind of makes sense because I also, here's a couple stats. So, Jewel kind of became famous around 2015, 2016. Yeah, my freshman. That's kind of when everyone got addicted. Yep. And that's about when, um, uh, sorry, let me back up. Okay. So I read one in every seven high school student has used an e-cigarette in the last 30 days, according to CBS news. Um, this was just all part of my reading that I found on this uh, whole case, which that's bananas. Yeah. And one in seven, I mean... Is that even reported? Or, or, I mean, is that that's only what's reported is what I meant to say. I'm yeah, sorry. That's not even like, counting the kids that don't want to say anything. Yeah, or the kid that did it 31 days ago. Yeah, I mean, it's outrageous. It, it's more common for you to either be addicted or to have, like, frequently used a jewel than it is to not. Yeah. And I think that's insane. It's the... It, it, feel, it felt like at the time the new cigarette... Um, you know, the one that was marketed as cool and everyone was doing it. And now it's just funny because like, it's the same thing. How did we not learn from our past? Um, one last thing I wanted to add before I I let you comment on it. I think it's crazy that Jewel has been under attack for being like this big, um, you know, predator, if you will, for the younger kids and all that. 
when there are a million and one brands of these new <laughs> 5,000 puff, any flavor you can fucking think of, you know, you can find them anywhere and they're not under scrutiny. It's like they would never have been a thing if it wasn't for Jewel. And now they're like profiting off of it. Meanwhile, Jewel's probably going to go fucking bankrupt. Yeah. The whole situation just seems weird. And I feel like these kids need a new dare program that includes jeweling and vaping. <laughs> dare program. <laughs> um, as someone that went to high school during the epidemic that was jeweling. The jewel epidemic. Dude, it was the people that jeweled were so annoying. I think it created such a <clears throat> culture around e-cigarettes like if you like it was almost like a click in every high school but it was like 80 percent of the student body was doing it 20 percent wasn't it Mm -hmm. to me if you made it where the flavors weren't there if you made it taste like a cigarette fucking tasted none of these kids would be doing it and then once you go adding all these fruity flavors and advertising with all these uh, cool designs, they have pretty colors, all these wonderful flavors, that's when you start getting the kids. And like you were just saying, every single company does it. It's not just Jewel. So if anyone really wants to do anything about these high school kids getting all these e-cigarettes, uh, just get rid of the flavor. Make them taste like straight tobacco. If you know they're a redneck country kid that wears boots and cowboy hat every day, shoot, they're going to love it. But Every other kid is going to hate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was kind of my other point was that I feel like Jewel, once they kind of got accused of this kind of stuff, you know, back in 2018, 19 or whatever, they got rid of all the flavored stuff for that exact reason yes. that you're saying. And they're still the ones that are under scrutiny. That's kind of my whole point. They... That's my whole opinion on this whole topic. So when I was a, when that happened, I was in high school, they got... Uh, they kept mint and uh, menthol. They got rid of mango, fruit punch, mm-hmm. pina colada. And they just right. kept to those two shitty flavors. But kids <laughs> found a way to – you could refill the pods. Like you could uh, take off the plastic piece, take out the rubber piece, and just go buy like vape juice and fill it up with that. Kids are going through that much trouble. Yep. I mean not every kid's going to want to go through that much yeah, I'm just really curious to know the number or percentage of people who are addicted to nicotine now because of the quote-unquote jewel epidemic. Um, I think it's an astonishing number, and I, like I said, I think it's something very similar to when the cigarette first came out or when the first, you know, it first became popular. Uh, it's a fascinating topic to me. I will admit that I was addicted to a jewel for a little bit as well, and it's just like everyone you know has at least had one um or you know hit one more than one occasion kind of situation i remember when jewel was in its prime and in the middle of it being popular how addicting that thing was and i'll tell you it was a hard thing to quit i'm not gonna lie to you yeah no i know leilani quit kayla quit um you know watching leilani go through that i was so proud of her but it was one of the hardest things she's ever had to do, and <clears throat> uh, she stuck to it. A lot of people can't stick to it. So once mm-hmm. you quit, as long as you stick to it, it gets so much easier. But really, it's all about breaking the habit of hitting it. 
Um, right. They always the say it's the habitual, weeks. you know. Yeah. After right. the first two weeks, your body doesn't crave it anymore, but your body remembers that, hey, this thing is here. I need to just put it up to my mouth. <laughs> yeah. The oral fixation. Right. So, yeah, that was my fill my cup um, that Jewel is ordered to pay 452 mil um, to, I think it was uh, like six different states. I don't know how all that works, but the number itself is crazy. They probably made a shit ton of money and hopefully they were smart with it in their their prime. <laughs> but that is my fill my cup and I would nice. love to hear yours. Well, I don't know if you'll be saying that after I read mine. Um <laughs> My my cup. A lady in Idaho is on trial for murdering her two kids and her fourth husband. Okay. Like she murdered the first three? I'll get to that. Her previous three husbands have all died of, in quotes, suspicious conditions. She is on trial for three murders and three counts of conspiracy and three counts of grand theft, the victim being the U.S. government of grand theft. Uh, she was collecting life insurance for all three of her previous husbands, and uh, she was collecting federal welfare benefits for her kids, uh, for her three kid or two kids. Um, but that's not why she killed her husbands or her kids. Uh, she killed them because she thought they were zombies. What the fuck? In her mind, uh, she was in the article, the article was saying she's a religious person and in her mind, anyone that had a dark spirit around them was a zombie. So it originally started with her oldest daughter who was 17. She saw a dark spirit around her and then that transferred to her younger daughter and then it transferred to her fourth husband. So she killed all three of them because she thought they were zombies. And then uh, her previous three husbands, she hired her brother to kill. Her previous three husbands so she could, she and her brother could collect the life insurance. And her brother is currently on trial as well. Good lord. So this is a current trial, you said? It is currently I can't wait for the Netflix trial. documentary. There is a Netflix series already out about it. I knew it. Uh, What's it called? She is... Uh, it's, I'll have to find it again. Um, but it there's a book about it now. There's a whole book series about it. So this all happened in 2019, and she's just now going to trial for it. Um, I. This is like the Murdoch mysteries. Dude. Or murders. When I was where they this, like I was put like, it out right when it was on trial. Yeah. Um, I was reading this and I was like, what a fucking, like, I don't understand what goes through people's head. Well, I can tell you from like my opinion that it's not what's going through their head. They're fucked up. Yeah. Like mentally ill or on drugs. This is not a sane person making decisions out of the blue like this. Yeah. Uh, Lori Vallow is her name. Um, I'm reading this article. I'm trying to find it in this article. The name of the TV show on uh, Netflix. Well, why don't you keep going on it? And I'm I'm looking it up right now. 
Um, yeah, so it's just um, Sins of Our Sins Mother. Sins of Our Mother. Hey. Yep, look at us. <laughs> yeah, so Sins of Our Mother on Netflix is a short series about everything that this lady is doing. Obviously, I can't summarize it all into this because some of the stuff I was reading, I was like, we can't have this in the podcast. Um, yeah. I picked out the stuff that is worth being talked about. The whole docu-series on Netflix goes more in-depth about this lady. But, I mean, the she was um, part of this, like, religious cult in Idaho, and it, like transformed into her being kicked out of it and um starting to think about these dark spirits taking over her family and turning them into zombies i think a big thing to note here and this is always messed up and i think it's very easy to manipulate photos this lady looks so normal yes that's right a big element to why this is so crazy so she's from uh Uh, Idaho and she looks like a mom from Idaho like that's exactly what she looks like (laughs) I can't say I I don't think I drove through Idaho once it was uh, fun for I think 30 minutes Uh, so this has 2022 it was on Netflix I wonder if it's still on there it is I just saw it oh did you already say that I was sorry I was reading yeah Um, so yeah her two Accused of killing her two youngest children, Tylee uh, and JJ. Tylee was 17 when she and JJ7 were last seen alive in September 2019. The children's bodies were found Jeepers. in 2020. Uh, it took a whole year for from when they were reported missing to finding their bodies. Yeah, I think there's also an element to uh, be said that it's like, so creepy because it's also literally only a couple years ago some of the documentaries you see that are in like the 90s you're like oh that's crazy i was barely even born these ones are like nah dude this was happening while like very recently yeah i mean i was a senior in high school when this first happened if you think about it like that um, yeah that's bananas so it led me down into this path of reading about statistics um the United States, so out of the top three countries that produce the most serial killers, um, the United States is number one. They produce, uh, we've produced 3, 000, almost 3,400 serial killers. The USA, n- baby. The next Red, white, closest at number two is the United Kingdom. Can you guess how much they've produced? Uh, rewind, what was the U.S.'s number? 3,400. 3,400, okay. I'm going to say they are below 1,000. I'm going to go with 700. They're 166. Wow. 166. And third on the list was Canada at 117. Canada? Right? That can't be right. Over China? Yes, well, obviously, China wow. doesn't have all the numbers reported. They had a lot of their shit. Ah, see. So what the hell is this stat even <laughs> Oh, mean? yeah, that changes everything for you. <laughs> it does, because when they don't record it, it's like the richest men in the world. There are so many oh. dudes in Saudi Arabia or, you know, 
in some of those Middle Eastern countries that probably that aren't reported that mm-hmm. probably makes so much more money than some of the people in all the what is uh the United States have like seven or eight hundred billionaires like yeah they, they gotta have so many billionaires over there so sorry England is number two South Africa is number three Canada's number four South Africa produced 117 wow. so you just Canada, lied to the, lied to the listeners yep wow and then Italy and then Japan point of the story is United States is blowing people out of the water. Dude. Yep. Japan blew us out of the water in Pearl Harbor, and now we're blowing everyone out in serial killers. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, Incredible. So with my Fill My Cup article, that brings me into what I wanted to talk about. Have you seen The Last of Us? Oh, boy. Nope. Dude, I am in love with The Last of Us. Do you know what it's about? Uh, nope. Okay. I've heard of the show. I've heard that it's crazy. There's a lot of good shows. I haven't seen it. Videography-wise, I think it's the best show ever made. I mean, the cinematic and all the scenery, everything, I think it is the best show that has ever been recorded. And storyline, I think it is in the top five shows ever uh, in terms of storyline. And let me tell you why I think that. Or why, why I think that they're in the top five storyline, okay? So, they're based off of a video game. This whole Last of Us series is based off of a video game. Have you played the la- or have you heard of the Last of Us video game? Uh, yes. Okay, the Last of Us video game is in high regards of one of the greatest video games of all time. Because of the work they put into their storyline... And the Last of Us TV show has almost copied each cutscene exact. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you put them. How's that even possible? The cutscenes side by side, it, like the words are identical. They're moving in the exact same spots in the scenery at the exact same time. Like it, it's almost ridiculous at how well they're copying the game cutscenes onto the TV. But. I mean, just the Mm storyline, they have so much character progression, and the people that you think are the main characters, like, are almost non-existent in the, they're in the whole first episode, in the whole second episode, but in the third and fourth episode, each episode's like an hour long, they're in it for like 10 minutes. They're developing the other characters that are going to support the main characters on their journey the whole, throughout the rest of the season. So the main characters aren't even in, like, two of the episodes, which are like, very important episodes in the series because they're the third and fourth episode. They're still trying to capture viewers. They're trying to, you know, make sure they're trying to get viewers to watch the rest of the season. They're trying to captivate their attention and they don't even have the main characters in the third and fourth episode, which is unheard of in TV. Okay. Uh, Right. If you have a chance to watch it, the last of us is, just an amazing show overall. Um, the storylines, the characters, all the characters and their personalities and the cinematography, it's all a masterpiece. I think everyone that has gone into making The Last of Us has exceeded their goals leaps and bound for sure. Um, and this a season just ended recently, right? Yeah, this is the first season. They just released the last episode, like... I think it was two weeks ago they released the last episode of the first season. Oh, 
Oh, there's only been one season. Dude, I, man, it feels like people have been talking about this forever. This is the first season, and it's it's been insane. Like, you feel like you've gone through... So, from episode 1 to episode 10 of the first season is 21 years apart. Okay. Um, and episodes are, what, an hour long? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. And... Might have to dabble. I believe episode 10, the year is 2023 that they're in. Like, in the show. Meaning that the episode 1 is 2001? Uh, I believe so, yeah. I'll I have to double check those numbers, yeah. but I'm very positive that is how it is. Um, hmm. But it's kind of a, the show itself bringing us into, tying it into our last episode with Kayla when we talked about our zombie apocalypse weapons. Um, watching this show, you realize how useless our, all of our lists are. Maybe not your ray gun and your attack helicopter, but how useless. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, let's, let's walk that back. (laughs) How useless the rest of our lists are compared to the zombies in the last of us, which they don't use the word zombie in any of the episodes because the writers don't want people to think they're zombies. Yeah. They look like zombies, but they call them the infected um okay so i've heard that there's a real fungus um in the world like it's a real fungus they based this infection off of called cordyceps uh the cordyceps infects ants it's a mushroom that infects ants and it grows a mushroom out of the brains of ants and it controls the ant's body it has the ant take them back to the hive or the anthill so that it can infect all the other ants. Mm. And and that's what the show is based off of, the fungus doing the same thing but to humans? It, so I'm actually getting chills right now thinking of it. The There's been scientists <laughs> since the 70s and 80s that have been studying the cordyceps and have always assumed that the cordyceps could never work in humans because uh, the human internal temperature, our body temperatures, are too high for a fungal uh, virus to live inside of us. All it would take is for a fungus to adapt to a climate change by three degrees, uh, a global average climate change to rise by three degrees, which we hit last year. Um, and we wait, 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 wait. wait. We hit it last year. Yeah, since the eighties, we've the average um, temperature has risen three degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Oh, in oh, okay, in fifty years, got it. Yeah, but this is kind of yeah. what's kind of creepy about this show is that they're starting to do tests on the cordyceps now, and realizing that it's starting to adapt to bigger insects and bigger like rodents uh, because it can survive in their body temperatures now. <coughs> so in the show, wow. they have these whole like interviews of scientists from the eighties. And, um, they have so many pretexts from the actual world in the show that prelude into, um, how the fungus started and it started infecting the world. And it actually started in Indonesia, There's in the show, it, there's a flower factory that produced 80% of the world's flour, and they had one infection there, and it infected 
all 80% of the world's flour, um, like stock. So people, anyone that ate anything with flour started getting infected. So you see in the first episode, they're showing the outbreak and day one of everyone starting to get infected. There is four different times throughout the first episode where the main characters like, ah, oh, crap, we're out of pancake mix. Looks like we can't have pancakes. It has flour in it. Uh, their neighbors offer them biscuits. And they're like, oh, sorry, like uh, we're on our way to school. We're in a rush. Can't have your biscuits. Cut back to the neighbors later. The neighbors ate the biscuits and they're infected. The neighbors next to them had pancakes mm-hmm. and they got infected. So there's like four different parts in the first like 30 minutes of episode one that they're skipping flour because of whatever reason. Hmm. <laughs> so it's a, uh, so it's like COVID. No, I'm just kidding. Like yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't really give you much to work off of, but I'm just saying all of this to explain that this show is insane and I love it so much. I wanted to ask your opinion. If, do you think zombies would ever happen or, do you think this kind of fungal infection is more likely to happen? And let's be honest, I don't think a fun- I don't think either will ever happen in our lifetime. But if I either were to happen, which one would you think? Yeah, listen, I think that we the there's never been a zombie on planet Earth ever. ever. So there's definitely not going to be one anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I will never rule anything out because that's kind of a lame thought process, but it seems crazy. The fungal thing is interesting. I could see that. Um, But I think there's too many stubborn Americans in this country to go for that. I I, I don't know. You know what I need, think we need to worry about? And this could be a segue into our next episode. Maybe we can talk about it. Artificial intelligence is what we need to be fucking looking out for. I was using chat GPT today. Mm-hmm. I was using it today. Do you want me to tell you what ChatGPT said about the Falcons? I've been saying what? I literally asked yeah, it. Yeah, I do. I do want to hear I this. asked it Jet, how. ChatGPT. ChatGPT, you fucking have a meatball. <laughs> <laughs> so here, I'm going to literally type it in right now so we get a fresh one. Gold jacket, how green jacket, who gives a the shit? Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons improve so let me get this right jet gbd i hate you stop saying basically like that. said <laughs> that saying. the falcons have bad tackles but that their guards are good because if so that's all i needed to hear no i didn't and then chat gqb can go fuck itself no i didn't use my i didn't base my list off of what chat gpt said um so chat gpt i typed in how can the atlanta falcons improve okay so that it gave me five bullet points. Bullet point number one, strengthen the offensive line. A lot, offensive line can protect the quarterback, open up run, running lanes, and allow for longer drives. The Falcons should consider investing in their offensive line through the draft or free agency. That was the mm, smart, smart call by chat CBD. There. <laughs> fucking I need to make a compilation of you fucking saying this name wrong. <laughs> Uh, number two was improve the defense. What else did chat ABT have to say? Uh, the Falcons struggled defensively in recent years, and improving their defense can help their team win more games. 
<laughs> they should call it Chat GED because that's what they fucking need to talk about this stuff. <laughs> that needed some work, but that's yeah, okay. Your punchline didn't land, but it, it was a solid foundation. No, that's okay. Uh, I know. I know it didn't. Number three, develop a strong running game. A strong running game can take the pressure off the quarterback and help control the clock. The So is this just like uh, football for dummies? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> Number four is improve team morale. Uh, strong team morale right. can lead to better performance I'm over on this. the field. I'm over chat GBD, and, dude. And number five was yeah, enhance coaching strategies. Smart. Yeah, I think it's better to have a smarter coach than a dumber coach. I agree with that. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm all done with everything that I had. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to disregard your uh, zombie statement or question. Um, but yeah, that'll be a segue into our next episode or future episode. We could talk about AI cause that's what I'm worried about. Yep. I ain't worried about no zombies or no fucking fungus. Beat COVID a couple times. I can beat a fungus. Wow. Look at you go. I'm an alpha. <laughs> an alpha, alpha mentality, baby. <laughs> All right. Let's finish off with fun facts. Did you come up with yes. fun fact? All right, you go first. Uh, bats are the only mammal that can fly. Wait a minute. Is that right? The only mammal. I believe you. I just want, I really want to think of a mammal that can fly. I mean, any mammal can fly. Humans go on airplanes. Building. Yeah, or put it in an airplane. Wow, bats are the only mammals. That's interesting. I feel like I should have known that. <laughs> Maybe I didn't know that. Who's to say? All right, so sticking with the animal theme, sloths can hold their breath longer than dolphins can. Dude. By slowing their heart rates, sloths can hold their breaths their breath for up to 40 minutes. Dolphins, which major fish fraud here, need to come up for air about every 10 minutes. Dude. Dude, dolphins are fraud. I mean, that brings me to my next question. I mean, that's unbelievable. 10 minutes? Find out on the next episode. Okay. i'll put in a dark piano right here (laughs) there you go dude you did incredible on your uh claps on the last effects of uh the episode with kayla bravo to you (laughs) well we close all right that does it for our uh, episode 10 of confidently unqualified thank you for tuning in if you're listening right now love Love you guys